Thank you, thank you, Chris, and thank you, our worship band. Lovely songs to introduce us into this atmosphere of worship, of praises, and in the presence of our Lord this morning. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you all, as always, to spend time together, to spend time in the presence of our Lord, and to listen to what he has to say for us this morning. We started a sermon series looking at our Lord in the Old Testament, and Jackie spoke last Sunday about Jesus as the Messiah being promised from the beginning when the humanity fell in disobedience of God. In the first book of Genesis, the first book of the, of the Bible, God promised a deliverer, and how amazing was that? So we're going to carry on looking through the Old Testament and find our Lord Jesus there. Jesus himself, as we were reminded, reminded last Sunday, said to the Jewish listeners in John 5.39, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. What scriptures did they have at that time? Of course, the Old Testament uh, books. So in the Old Testament, we can find our Lord Jesus. And you know, when you go for a job interview, as we all did at some point, or we will, uh, and you have that job description that you need to fill in, right? And you need to, they will assess you against that job description. If we think of the number of prophecies, as we were reminded, about 300 of them, Prophecies about the coming of the Messiah in the Old Testament. If we think of those prophecies as essential criteria for, the, for a job description, Jesus fulfilled them all. Isn't that amazing? This is a great miracle that only one person could fit in the job description, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Which inadvertently reminds me of my first job interview when I came in UK about 2011-12, which was a complete disaster, if I can share with you. So because of cultural differences, um, when I entered the interview room, there were three nice ladies. And as a good European gentleman, of course, when they, you know, shake, handed my, their hands to shake their hands, I kissed their hands because that's what you do in my country. <laughs> it would be it would be really rude not to kiss a lady's hand in that environment. So obviously, I found later, you would never do this in UK in <laughs> the job interview. So that's fine. I failed that interview. Uh, and also, just to say, not after COVID. That's not after COVID in my country, I uh, to kiss anyone's hand. So that's just, um, just a reminder that I didn't meet that job description. But our Lord Jesus, he met all of those requirements in the Old Testament, and that is just amazing. So this morning, we're going to focus on the Passover event, which we find in Exodus chapter 12. And Ruth kindly volunteered to help us this morning to read this passage. So Ruth, if you would like to come closer. And let's read Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt... This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. 
If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it onto the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day when you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Thank you very much. That's lovely. What an important event in Israelites' lives that we read. Let's just uh, pray for this text. Father God, as we read from the scripture, would you please open our hearts and minds to understand what you have to say to us this morning and to get to know you better and to see how this passage talks about our Lord Jesus, our Savior, and help us to follow you in all the, all the days of our lives, to follow in your steps and to listen to your guidance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. What is the Passover then and why was so important for the Israelites? And we have slide two, please. So as we read, Egypt was just devastated by the nine plagues. That was just God judging Egypt for their disobedience. And more so, God was giving a promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise that they would have a land on their own where God could fulfill his plan for salvation of the humankind. And the last plague of the firstborn is better known as the Passover because the angel of death passed over the homes where that uh, blood, blood of the lamb was on the doorsteps. And it's such an important event for Israelites. As we can see, God told Moses that people were to celebrate this festival as a, lang, as a lasting ordinance. So that was to be celebrated forever. And it's a demonstration of God's power, a demonstration of his judgment, but also a demonstration of his love and care for his people. And this event will cement in the culture of the Israelites to make the nations and make them ambassadors for God in the world. But very often we only think of the Jewish people in this uh, event, in the Passover event. What about the Egyptians at that time? 
And one may say, well, wasn't God unjust to punish them that way? But you see, we can see the love of God in the Old Testament as we've seen in the Egyptians. How many times they had the, the chance, the opportunity to repent? There were nine plagues, as we read. Nine chances for them to turn around from their lifestyle and follow the true God. We see that, we understand that this God that we read about is powerful. He created everything. In the scripture, he's described as holy, holy, holy. And nothing impure could stand in front of him, in his presence. So thinking of these people, they had many, many chances to repent. As we see in many places in the Old Testament, God gave a chance to people to repent and come to him. Because the story of the Passover shows us God's heart for people, but also it shows, it shows us that he's the right judge, the all-powerful judge. And we can see God's heart in those times was for people to be free. As we remember, Jewish people were captive slaves for 400 years. And God doesn't like slavery. Nowadays, we can think of, we talk about modern, uh, modern slavery. People forced to do work that they don't want to do. Being captive through different um, means. And we see God is against this. And he wants all people to be free and follow him. So where do we see Jesus in the Passover event that we just read? Well, first of all, we see Jesus in the lamb that was sacrificed. The famous words of John the Baptist in John chapter 1, 2019. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John called Jesus the lamb of God, replacing the lambs in the Old Testament that gave their lives at the first Passover. And we may wonder this morning, how is it possible for an animal to substitute a human life or a human salvation? And the answer is that ultimately they cannot. In Hebrew chapter 10 verse 4 we read, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It was impossible. And on the cross is where God was to resolve this problem for humanity. The reason Jesus came to Jerusalem for his last Passover was not to celebrate that Passover, but to become our Passover. This time, God didn't ask for people to provide the lamb. He will provide the lamb. Jesus, our Lord, he was fully God and fully man, like us in every way, apart from sin. So where do we see Jesus? Again, we read there was a young lamb that needed to be sacrificed. If we think of Jesus, that we will approach Christmas, he came in this world as a cute baby. That's what we read at Christmas. And that lamb we read in the Passover should stay with the family for a while. It was to live with them and be part of that family. Can you imagine the pain? the suffering that you have to sacrifice, that little lamb who stayed in your house. How does this resemble Jesus? He came in our world as a baby. He lived amongst us. He was part of us as a family. And while he was a still young man, 
he would be killed and sacrificed to save us all. We see the resemblance there. And then the lamb we read should be perfect, no health issues or anything else, no sickness, no injuries, no discoloration or physical deformities, which point us to the fact that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, was the only human and God who had no sin in his life, totally sinless. He was spotless. And we read in John 18.38 that even his enemies found no guilt in him when Pilate, the governor, went out again to the Jewish gathering and he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He was sinless. Then again, we can look that the lamb was to be slaughtered at twilight. Isn't that similar to when Jesus was crucified on the cross at twilight? Again, the lamb, he says, no bone was to be broken. And we read in John 19, 33, they did not break his legs, Jesus' legs, as the custom was. How could that be? Unless it's the word of God fulfilling in Jesus' life. And there are other elements to this story that we can think of. For example, the bitter herbs that the Jewish people had to eat at that time, reminding them of the bitter bondage they had during slavery. And it's a reminder for us today that bondage of sin is bitter and Jesus came to free us all. And then the next slide talks about maybe the most important um, parallel that we can make between the lamb in the Passover and the lamb of God, which is in his blood. As we read, after they killed the lamb, they were to paint the doorposts of their homes with its blood. This was to let the angel of death know to pass over that house. It was the innocent blood of that lamb to protect the Israelites. And it's the same, our Jesus' sinless blood to protect us. You see, the difference between Egyptians and uh, the Jewish people, they were all sin sinners. If we think maybe in the Jewish houses, they may be, you know, murderers. Even Moses, we read, he was a murderer. Among Egyptians, they were all sinners. But the difference was in their faith. They faith in the blood of the Lamb that saved them. As we read in Colossians chapter 120, And through him, through our Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It is the blood of Jesus who keeps us safe for what's to come and for our salvation. And the next slide, we can think, why is this important for us today? A past event that we read in the Old Testament. And this is to remember. To remember we were redeemed. And as we, as we said before, Strictly speaking, it wasn't enough for the Passover lamb to be sacrificed. In order for God to pass over and to save them, its blood needed to be applied on their doors at the entrance of their house. And if they omitted that, the angel of death would come in. In the same way, John Calvin once noted that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race 
will remain useless and of no value for us. The lives of those people in Israel hidden in the house under the protection of the blood of the Lamb. And it's the same for us with our Lord Jesus. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13, we read, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If we have the lamp of God in our lives, we have life. So again, if we compare the difference between Egyptians and Israelites, the difference where was in their faith in our Lord Jesus. And for us today, if we look at our lives, we are not perfect. Nobody is perfect. We are all sinful, saved people, if you like. And as long as we live on this earth, we are in a journey to follow up our Lord Jesus and become more like him. But the message of this Passover event is that God is holy. God is holy and he is just, but he is also merciful. He is also full of love. And he knew we could not save ourselves. And therefore, he prepared the lamb for us, our Lord Jesus. So in 1 Peter, for example, we read chapter 1, 18, 19. For you know that it was not with the perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamp without blemish or defect. That's how we can be saved, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not with perishable things. Our salvation, yes, is free through faith, but is not, is not like for nothing. It cost God so much. It cost Jesus his life on this earth. So let's remember not to take things for granted, but with grace, with thanks, with love, because he loved us. Another thing to remember, why is this important? We remember that the Jewish people had to eat all the lamb they had. And this reminds us that Jesus gave all for us. He gave us all, all he had. There was nothing left. And we read in Romans 3:25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And Romans 6:10, the death he died, he died for our sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus suffered for us in our place. And to end up with some final thoughts, in the last slide, Jesus on the cross, the difference between the lambs in the Passover and Jesus on the cross was that the Lamb of God spoke on that cross. And in John 19.30, he said, it is finished. It is finished. What it is finished? Let's think this morning. What was finished? Our salvation our redemption, our new life in our Lord Jesus Christ could start. And why are we still worried 
about our lives? Why are we still so worried about what's going on in our lives? As we read in Romans 8.31, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Why are people still trying to win their salvation, to please God, to do things uh, to gain that favor when everything that we needed was done on the cross? It is finished. We need to learn how to live our new life in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the difference between the lamb of the Passovers that we read, the lambs, and our Lord Jesus if there is a difference, it's also that, you know, that lamb in the Passover had a quick death, as we remember. He was slaughtered. But Jesus, if we read the New Testament, he was mocked. He was beaten. He was whipped with leather straps embedded with metal, exhausted. He was already bleeding when he was put on the cross. Why? To show the enormity of the mankind sins. And this is what we need to remember. It is not for free that we have been forgiven, as we said. It's an invaluable price that has been paid in the life and death of our Lord Jesus. And you know, that love compels us to be different in this world, to show to the world our faith is not in our own power, in our own beauty or skills, but our faith is in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And in John chapter 8, 13, it says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Do we believe that? If the Son makes us free, we will be free indeed. So that's the promise. And then we'll end up with a calling in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, 8. Given all that we've learned this morning. It says in here, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So I'll pray this morning that this lamb of God will come in our lives. We'll let him come in our lives to bless us all, to bring us from our ways of living and give us a new life in him, to follow him, to trust him, and to be saved in his name. So let's spend some time in prayer as we also approach the communion this morning, which links so well with the passage we read. So let us spend the next few minutes in prayer you can pray in your thoughts, you can pray uh, out loud, and just if you want to bring your thanks for what God has done for us. Ideally, if we can have a prayer from the left, a prayer from the middle, and a prayer from the right, if you want, but no pressure. Uh, but let's spend the next minutes in prayer, thanking God for what he has done for us that no one else could have, not ourselves, not anyone else in the entire universe. So let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for the lesson we reminded this morning that you were the lamp on the Passover and that was hidden until you came on this earth 
hundreds of years after the Passover initial event, to show to the world that you are a loving God, to show to the world that you are ready to pay the price for us to be redeemed and be brought back again into your presence. We have no words to thank you enough, Lord, for this sacrifice, for this atonement, for this uh, cross and the blood on the cross that you shared for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We stay here in, this, in your presence, full of awe and admiration and um, thankfulness for your grace in our lives, Lord. Through grace we are saved, and this is nothing to do with us. All has been finished on the cross through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.